Man, let's give it up for that worship team one time, man. Come on. Spot on, man. Just spot on. Love them. Love them. Every, what everybody does, man. We got guys who are running cameras and computers and Johnny G on the background, man, mixing everything up, making it sound right. Give it up for Johnny in the house. He hates it. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I must be loopy coming off all this, you know, driving around everywhere. Um, I'm excited to be uh, with you guys tonight, and, and uh, I'm more excited that I get to hear my very good friend, best friend, Pastor Ben, bring the word tonight again. I know you guys enjoyed it last week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a treat whenever you get to just sit in the chair and receive and, um, you know, I get to, I got to follow a little bit on the live stream and, and while we were moving about. And so I'm excited to hear what he has tonight. You know, I, I want to tell you guys, um, he is a, a, a wonderful friend and, and covenant brother, uh, to my family, to this ministry. And, uh, he's a tremendous pastor. Those of you who are getting to know him on a personal level will be, can, can, attest to that, that the kind of quality of person that Ben is and his wife Katie are uh, to our family. And, and I can tell you right now, for years we kept trying to put as much bait on the line to get them to Pensacola for years. And you know what was so amazing is, is they are more concerned with obedience. And they, they waited on the Lord and, um, and I'm so excited for them finally to be here with us and just to be able to receive from the depth of the well that I know that's inside of them. Would you guys put your hands together for my brother, Ben, as he comes? Love you, my man. You know, let me tell you something. One of the things that's important around this place, and, and, and we will be teaching on this in the weeks and months to come, but creating a culture of honor. You know, uh, I, I heard one of the, the key leaders at, at Bethel Ministry, you guys know out in Reading, you know, they said, if you're not careful, you'll miss some of the, the, the deep pockets of, of their community um, if you overlook someone because of a, 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 a title or what they're doing. Like for one, one particular example was a guy who does uh, custodial work, taking out trash and cleaning the church and whatnot. And he said, if you're not careful, you would miss the reality of who that guy really is. He was the founding worship leader for their church. The guy taking out trash now was the, the founding worship leader for their church. And I'm going to tell you right now, be careful when you walk through these hallways, when you're going past children's workers and people in the sound booth. I'm going to tell you right now, they lay hands on you, you'll fall on your face, dude. They're walking in the glory and power of God. You know, we... we Titles help give us understanding of function, but I'm going to tell you right now, we have to raise and elevate our honor toward each other. And, and that's how I feel about you, brother. You know, I'm so thankful for you and the ministry that God's called you to being in this house. And um, I'm excited to receive from tonight. Let's give him another hand again, man. Awesome. you ever done a long-distance relationship? Anybody here ever tried a long-distance relationship? You know how it makes your heart hurt? That's what this was like for six years. <laughs> or was it seven? I don't know. It felt like about 20. Uh, I can remember just laying on the floor in our spare bedroom going, God, why? 
<laughs> why aren't we in Pensacola? But we finally did get here, and uh, it's awesome. It's, it's hard to resist the level of friendship that this man and his family and that Tony and his family give. It's so from the gut, and it's so real. That's why it's been hard to be away. When you, when you find it, I don't know if you've discovered this in your life, but a real friendship doesn't come around very often. The real deal doesn't happen very often. And when you have to move or you have to go somewhere else, it could be a while. And so whenever you get it, don't take it for granted. Maybe that's just a word for somebody tonight. Don't take it for granted. Um, turn in your Bibles again to 1 Corinthians 13. Is Miranda, did she step out? Matt, do you guys stick? Okay, cool. Because I feel like if we have time, I might need you guys here in just a little bit. Because I, I don't know if, I feel like God's, I'm not sure when or how, but I feel like tonight the Lord wants to heal some bodies. When we were singing that song, I just felt the Lord saying that tonight he wants to heal some people. So if that's you, if you've got pain in your body, I want you to, Get your expectancy up because I really believe God wants to touch some people tonight. So if that's you, just start letting God tenderize your heart because Jesus is here and Jesus is the healer. Amen. All right. Last week we talked about walking in your inheritance and we started out with John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we talked about two kinds of life, right? The first being eternal life and the second being abundant life. So there's an eternal inheritance in Christ, but then there's also an inheritance right now that we have in Christ. So it's not like what you hear in, in some places that we're just waiting for the sweet by and by and we're sitting back just waiting for Jesus to come, grabbing the, the, the bar on the, the roller coaster, waiting for the ride to be over. Right? How many of you want to go out with your hands in the air screaming? It's less painful if you just put your hands up and scream. Have you figured that out yet? I didn't like roller coasters as a kid. I was scared to death of them. And I used to grip the bar, not just with my hands. I'd wrap my arms around it, and I would duck my head in. I grew up in Dallas, and we went to Six Flags, and there was this roller coaster back in the day called the Shockwave. And you may have heard of it at Six Flags. It had a double loop. And that was the scariest thing I had ever seen. So when I finally got talked into through a lot of peer pressure to ride in this thing, I was scared to death. I think I actually bent the bar. My little 55-pound sixth-grade self bent the bar. And one day, though, I figured out that if I would just throw my hands up in the air and scream as loud as I could, it didn't hurt as much. Somebody's going to get that in about 30 minutes. I'm not talking about roller coasters. <clears throat> You have an eternal inheritance and a now inheritance. No matter how much of your inheritance you walk in now, whether it's faith or power or gifts or abundance, influence, if you're a businessman, if you've got, if you're a teacher, if, it's, if you're in ministry, if it's the prophetic or you have a gift in ministry, no matter what it is, even if you go overseas and you lay down your life for the gospel, no matter what it is that God leads you to do or he's put in your heart to do, if you begin to walk in that, None of it is going to profit you or, or me anything if we don't walk in love. 
If we don't walk in love, and it doesn't just mean, I used to think that that meant if I acted like I loved people while I was doing stuff, if I was nice to them and I was patient with them and all the things that 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind, okay, be patient. Love is kind, okay, be kind. Ben, you're not being kind, you gotta walk in love, be kind, right? We wanna kind of work up the human emotion of what we read in the scriptures and we think that, okay, I'm walking in love while I'm doing these things in business. If I just don't yell at my employees, I'll be doing good. I'll just be patient. I'm a teacher. I, I, teach, I used to teach high schoolers. That's why I got gray hair when I was 30. <laughs> and this is where it came from. And it actually wasn't so much from the high schoolers as it was from their parents. It really was. It was the parents of the high schoolers that gave me the gray hair. So I try to stay out of stuff with my kids as much as possible and let other people do what God leads them to do. Only I step in when it's necessary. But here's what I found out. It's impossible for me to love somebody. It's impossible. I can fake it. But something tells me that Jesus didn't die so we can fake it. Jesus died because he wanted to do something in us that was transformative. He wanted to transform us from the inside out. He wanted to love us from the inside out so that we could walk in a transformational, incarnational, meaning in the flesh. Our real life is not just a fake kind of love that we try to work up. It's the love of Christ coming out of our belly because we've allowed ourselves to be loved by him. And then that love pours supernaturally onto other people. That's what it means. And if that isn't happening on the inside of me, if that kind of love isn't If that transaction, let me say it this way. I've asked people before. I remember sitting across the table from a young man and his wife. They came to the lake house for a weekend getaway because their marriage was on the rocks. They were this close to divorce. And this man had been in church for six or seven years. And we sat down at the table and we began to walk them through some healing and walk them through a process. And about the second day in, I started to get this feeling in my gut like something's wrong. Something is missing. And especially from the husband's life, I could feel that, amen. (laughs) If we were all just that desperate, it would be awesome. And I, I could tell something was wrong with, with, this, with what was going on. This, there's something missing from the picture. And we went to bed on Saturday night and told Katie, I said, Katie, I, I don't think that this, that this husband knows the Lord. And these are people that we've known for many, many years. I said, I don't think he knows the Lord. There's something missing. He knows the talk. He, he's been in church for a long time and he can say the right things, but there's, there's something missing in his eyes. There's something missing when he speaks. And the next day I asked him, I said, tell me, When you encountered God in a way that a transaction happened so that the death that operated on the inside of you, like a drowning man, when you reached up out of the death of your own soul and reached up for life because you knew you were gonna die on the inside. And Jesus took a hold of your hand and he pulled you out of yourself. And he took his life and he set it right into your belly in a way that you knew you had been radically changed. When did that happen? I want you to tell me, tell me the day and describe for me the details of when God encountered your soul. Because I don't care what anybody says about, well, it's a process of a journey. It could happen over years. I I went underwater three times as a kid and almost drowned. And you get saved in a moment. If it took me years to get out of that water, I would be dead. 
there's a moment that Jesus grabs you by the hand for the first time and he pulls you out and you know. And you can tell people in specificity and detail what happened, when it happened, and it's a transaction between you and Jesus. I take the death. We say, I gave the Lord my heart. No, Jesus, I, I, I gave my, my, my life to the Lord. No, you didn't. You didn't have a life to give him. All you had was death. And we say things in the church that we don't even understand because it's language, but there's a, there's a transaction that God wants to make happen on the inside. So when we talk about love, I'm not talking about faking love. I'm talking about a real transaction, an encounter with the Savior where his love transforms you from the inside out. So instead of exploding on your wife or your kids or instead of, of being compelled to do things that you don't wanna do, you suddenly discover that there is a power on the inside of you that you've allowed to love you so deeply and transform you so thoroughly that it just comes out. And I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm just saying that it's something supernatural. Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, this is verse one, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to be burned that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. There's three things there. I'm a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. It means I'm empty noise. Two, the phrase is I am nothing. And the third one is, I gain nothing. Your now inheritance, the abundant life that God wants to give you now, is only life-giving, and we read this last week, when it grows out of the revelation of your, inheritance, uh, your eternal inheritance in Christ. Okay, so when you and I live from who we are in Christ, right? When we live from our identity as a son or a daughter, then we live unhindered by sin and we're fully able to cooperate with God with who he made us to be. Remember last week, we talked about the story of Kim Walker, how she finally asked God this one question, totally riddled by fear and insecurity. She, a lot of gifts on the inside God had given her and knew Jesus, but uh, she was struggling and she finally had the wisdom, I think, by the Holy Spirit to ask God, Lord, how did you see me when you made me? When you created me, what, what did you have in mind? And she she let God love her enough and she trusted his goodness enough to get a glimpse of what the father saw when he made her. And she saw it and it was good. It was like, wow, yeah, I can be the girl that just twirls and dances and sings for my Jesus. I can do that. I love to do that. And what she realized was that's all the father wanted from her anyways. And you guys, you don't want to twirl and sing and dance, I know probably. That doesn't sound good. That makes you shift in your seat. But if you get an idea of what the Father had in mind when he made you, when he fashioned you, no matter what your dad told you, no matter what your mom said to you that may have cut you deep, no matter what a teacher or a friend or a group of friends may have, have how they may have treated you growing up, if you get an idea and a picture of what, even a glimpse of what the father had in mind when he made you, 
I promise you it'll change you forever. Tucked into my eternal inheritance is sonship. Romans 8.15 says this, you've not received a spirit of fear again to bondage, amen? But here's what you have received, a spirit of adoption or sonship. And because you have a spirit of adoption operating on the inside of you, not meaning it's just legally on the books and you know it in your head, but the spirit of adoption actually comes and lives on the inside of you. That's the transaction that happens. When Christ pulls you out of the death that is yourself, what he did on that day was he put in you a power called adoption, and it's by the Holy Spirit. He put something in you that made sure that you knew, that you felt it, that you knew it in your heart, you knew it in your mind. Every, every fiber of your being is intended to know that you belong as a child in the family of God. You shouldn't feel, it's not normal, it's not right for you to feel like you're under the table and everybody else is better. It's not good, it's not normal for you to feel like, well, God would do it for the person sitting next to me because they're probably really good and, and God likes them more, but I feel like God's kind of passed me over. How many of you at any point in your life, in your walk with Jesus, have felt like God has passed you over or has already passed you over? How many of you have ever felt that? Like, yeah, like half of you are lying, but I get it, all right? <laughs> Now, raise your hand back up. Okay, we're all family here. You can be honest. Now, look to the person, keep your hand up and look at the person sitting next to you. Do they have their hand up? So did God pass that whole row over? Did he pass you over to get to her? If both of them assume the other one got it and they didn't and God passed them over, one of them's wrong. I think maybe we've got a little bit of identity issue going on. Maybe we don't see the way the Father sees. So I want you to do something. Let's try something. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your grace right now to illuminate and bring truth. Even in a little 30-second exercise. If you're watching on the live stream, just try this. Just close your eyes for a second. I'm not going to do anything weird. I promise. All right, with your eyes closed, here's what I want you to do. It's real simple. Don't think too hard. Those of you overachievers, just chill out, okay? As you're sitting there with your eyes closed, just relax. And I want you to just get a mental picture real quick of what God looks like. What does God look like? That's it, that's it, that's all it took, okay. Open your eyes. Now, I didn't ask you what do you think God should look like because of what you know of the scriptures, but what did God look like in that moment to you? When, I, when a guy at a, at a seminar had us do that once a long time ago, and the picture I had was of a man standing way up on a hill in the distance with like biblical robes on. And I was like, ooh, that's not good. Did he look like a loving papa? Did he look close or was he far away? Did he look religious? Did he look like something you would read in the Bible or did he look like a friend? What did he look like to you? You know, what you see in your heart in that moment reveals a lot. It doesn't reveal everything, but it reveals a lot about where your heart is and what, how you perceive God to be. 
And God wants to work on how you know him, how you see him. Let me say this. When Tom was here uh, a couple weeks ago, he said the first half of this, and I was just biting, waiting him for him to say, to spell out the second half. And he, he said it, but in a roundabout way. So I want to spell it out. Tom said the first half of this. He said, freedom is not the absence of sin. Freedom is not the absence of addiction. At least not the fullness of what freedom is. Freedom is not the absence of bars. It's not the absence of a bad habit. You know, the scripture says, whom the son has set free is free indeed. Did, did Jesus die just to make you act better? Why did Jesus go to the cross and become sin? And we're going to talk a little bit here in a second about what Jesus did on the cross. But why did he die? Did he die so you would behave better? Is that it? Freedom is not so much about, because, you know, Paul sat in prison chained hands and feet in prison. And it, the scripture says that he was completely free and the gospel had free reign in the prison. People were getting saved. The gospel was totally free and he was bound. Paul had, a, had an idea. Paul had a reality that his circumstances didn't matter at all. Circumstances didn't define whether or not he was free. How many of you feel hemmed in by circumstances, whether it's financial circumstances you felt like the rug got pulled out from under you in, in your business, or you felt like uh, there's, like we talked about last week, there's a delay in what God's promised you, okay? And you feel like the circumstances of your life, maybe a student loan get, didn't come through, or maybe the, the, the healing that you wanted to have in your body didn't happen, and people have prayed for you many times, and your circumstances have left you feeling like God's not listening, and you feel like you're not free because of what's going on in your life. Is that a problem on God's end or is that a problem on my end? Should circumstances determine my freedom? Well, let me read this scripture to you. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or there is liberty. Let me read it another way. And in the Greek, it's a little flexible. And maybe this is the Ben Watts version, but, but here's another way to read it. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. God's, David said, if I make my bed in hell, there you are. When I rise and when I go to sleep, there you are. If I go to the highest heights and the lowest depths, there you are. There's nowhere that God is not. If I'm there, he's going to be there. He promised never to leave or forsake me. So if he's omnipresent, then how come the Holy Spirit isn't bringing freedom everywhere he goes? The scripture says where the spirit is, there is freedom. The reality is freedom is not the absence of sin. It's the presence of someone. That's the other half of that. When the Holy Spirit, not as just present because he is present, we don't have to say, God, come down. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit's already here. Everything that heaven has made available is already here. There's no more. It's not like we're going to do something to, to somehow make God give us more. We've already been given the most precious gift of heaven, and that's Jesus on the cross. Is there anything else that God's waiting to give us? That's what Eve bit into. The, the serpent tricked her. We talked about it last week. The serpent, 
the serpent got her to believe that God was withholding something, that there was more. Well, you know, if you'll take a bite of that, then you'll, you'll be more like God. You'll, be, you'll have wisdom. You'll know how to judge. You'll be like him. He's withholding from you. God's not holding back. 2,000 years ago, he gave everything. Freedom is about you realizing that the Holy Spirit, even though he's here, he has to be Lord. It's lordship. You know, I listened to a, a mom once. We were in Tulsa and some friends of ours, we were at this little thing. It's kind of like a wanna. It was called Bible Blast at the time. And Jack was in this program. And we would come and we would say, kids would say their scriptures and they would do this cool rap where they would like do a rap to the whole timeline of the Bible. And it was fun. And these guys would dress up with wigs and give out a bunch of candy. It was, it was crazy. Kids would always come home, all, come home all hopped up and they'd go to bed two hours late. But they were memorizing the scriptures. It was awesome. Somewhere in there, it all worked out. And so, but the parents would always have a chance to kind of catch up and talk. And I remember there was a woman there and one of her kids, her, her daughter or her son, one of them, had been really just running from the Lord, running, 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 a prodigal. And her heart was just broken. And she was talking about this conversation that she had with the Lord one day. She kept praying, Lord, keep them safe. I just don't want them to go to jail. I don't want them to do anything that, would, that would, they would die from. Just keep them safe, keep them safe. And the Lord interrupted her one day and said, stop, stop. Hold on a second. He said, I, I didn't die to keep them safe. I died to be Lord. Pray that I'll be Lord. I've talked to a lot of moms and a lot of dads who are really, really freaking out because a son or a daughter might go to jail or a son and a daughter might lose everything and be homeless. And it, I can't even imagine, my kids are young, I'm not, I'm not judging. I can't even imagine the pressure you would feel as a parent. And this isn't, I didn't plan to say this tonight, but I feel like maybe there's someone here who needs to, to hear this or see this. I think God wants you to change your prayer. Because when you pray, God be Lord over their soul, then you release them. And you let God do what, you take your hands off. How well has it worked for you to have your hands around it? It hasn't, has it? If you'll take your hands off and not parent from guilt, but God, I screwed up. It's my fault. I have to help them. I get it. I get it. But if you keep your hands around them from guilt, you're going to drive them further away. If you were the perfect parent, they would never need to look up. It's okay. You're released. Just let them go. And pray and say, Jesus, would you do whatever it takes to be Lord in their life? I release them to you. We had an awesome testimony. And Arnie, I didn't even give a chance to tell you. Maybe you already know, but you saw the text. But we had a, 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 a lady here that had called and, and wanted us to pray for an older son who had had a drug overdose and was in an institution and did not know Christ. And she said, please pray, please pray. We need God to intervene and save him. And I was so proud because this mom was willing to do, just let go and just say, God, save him. Just save him. Whatever has to happen, save his soul. But this guy had run for so long. He had a brother that was praying for him who had also been in a drug addiction. God had delivered him and he knew the Lord, but this older brother did not. And she came, I prayed with her over the phone. The next night she came here to the prayer room. And by the way, if you guys haven't been to the prayer room lately and you think it's just two or three people hanging out and not much is going on, I want to challenge you to think again. Because 
this whole city gets rocked every night. When believe, even if two or three come in here and pray. And we've been watching the testimonies of, of salvation and healing. We're watching divine timing of how God changes the, the dimensions and the, the, what's going on in the city changes. Some of you guys already know it because you've seen it. But this woman walked out of here. Andrea ministered to her. And she walked out of here in a totally different frame of mind. The next day we got a text that God brought somebody into this man's life the next day. And he totally gave his heart to the Lord. He said, yeah. <laughs> he said a friend came in and he, he had to read his friend the Bible because his friend couldn't read his Bible. God sent a friend who couldn't read. So he had to read it to him. Didn't want to, but all right, I'll read it to you. He got done reading and the Holy Spirit came on him, answered mama's prayers and a lot of people's prayers. And he said, I want you to witness this. He put his hand on the Bible. His friend put his hands on his friend's hands. And he said, from this day forward, I, I totally surrender my life to Christ. Wow. <laughs> That's what Jesus died for. That's what Jesus died for. He was actually dead and his mom resuscitated him before he went into the hospital. Are you the mom? <laughs> hey, so. <laughs> oh. mm. You want to say something? You don't have to, but you want to? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a microphone, Arnie? The, hey, everybody say hi, Zoe. Hi, Zoe. <laughs> okay, I'm really afraid. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. I, I have a really bad fear of public speaking, so I really must want to say this to be up in front of y'all. Um, I started coming here back in probably September. A friend of mine, and she couldn't come tonight, Patty. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. Later. A friend of mine brought me here. She knew about this place. She said, I, I, stuff happens here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on and a lot of burdens and I came here and Paul Keith Davis was here that night and he was calling a bunch of people up and he called me and my friend up but he zeroed right in on me. He could see the pain in my eyes and he started telling me you're going to be delivered of everything in your life and I don't know it was just kind of all blur and the next thing I knew my chest became, I felt this fullness rush into my chest, but it was a good fullness, it was a, uh -huh. it was a, I can't even describe it, I've never felt anything like it before, but I know it was the Holy Spirit entering me, and then I fell out, which was really weird, you know, because I'd seen that like on TV and stuff, but I didn't know what that was about. <laughs> anyway, I have two sons. Um, my older son, Stuart, who's 26, is the mm -hmm. one Ben was talking about. My younger son, Mark, is 19. Um, my, I, you know, and unfortunately, I went to the restroom at the beginning of the story, so I don't know where you started in the story. I came in. Here you I probably about totally butchered it because you would do a much better job. I came in talk, when you're talking you, about Andrea uh -huh. praying with me. That's but anyway, right. Um, my older son has bipolar disorder, um, and it was out of control, which is how all this occurred. But anyway, my younger son was in a lot of pain looking at his older brother, who he adores. Um, and he kind of derailed. And um, back in March, uh, 
got in a little bit of trouble with uh, with the law, and it's going to be fine. But uh, I sent him directly to Teen Challenge in Selma, Alabama. Do not pass go. He went directly to Teen Challenge. I brought him here for the five weeks that we were trying to get him in Teen Challenge, and he walked right up here and gave his life to the Lord back in March. You were there. And right before that happened, um, the night he was actually picked up by the police, I was here on a Saturday night on my knees praying to God for him at the moment that he was picked up. So anyway, that's my story. God works in really mysterious ways I would prefer you know not to have had to go through all this but but we got through it and I think both my boys are going to be fine Amen. Amen Thank you Can you guys just stretch your hands out stretch your hands out Thank you Thank you Father I just thank you right now for this woman I thank you for this mom I just see you Father infusing her with strength Yes, Zoe, the enemy has told you that you would not leave a legacy. And I think right now you're seeing that the Father is saying, Zoe, I have a legacy for you. Yes, what the enemy tried to strip years ago by taking your husband, I have a legacy of life for you. Where there's been a legacy of death, Zoe, your name, Zoe. You have a legacy of life. God gave you your name, Zoe, before you ever got married. I thank you, Father, for life. God, we want more of that. I pray for every person that's watching, every person here tonight that hears this testimony, God. We just send life in Jesus' name where there's hopelessness, where parents are hurting, watching kids run. God, we just, right now, we send your Holy Spirit. We send the spirit of truth a spirit of life, the spirit of adoption to get a hold of their heart. God, the same power that worked in Zoe's life and in her kids' lives. We just thank you that it's released over every heart that's hungry right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Don't you love those unplanned detours that the Holy Spirit just does? <laughs> You're right, Corey. This didn't go as planned. <laughs> Matt, can you can you guys just come on up? We're not even going to do the rest of this. <laughs> I feel like <clears throat> what's so awesome is this, what you said kind of right before and what we've been singing about is basically what I was going to say tonight, so we're good. <laughs> uh, Father, I just thank you for your presence right now. I thank you for the increase of your anointing. God, even for those watching, I just ask your anointing would just well up in their homes, kitchens, living rooms, bedrooms, offices. God, I thank you right now for your presence. The word picture for the anointing, which is Jesus Christ, Christ Christos, the anointed one. He was fully man, but he was fully God. He was fully man filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He didn't just float around. 
He walked with two feet that got blisters. They really did pluck out his beard and it bled. And he said, Father, when he knelt on the ground in the garden and clots of blood fell from his head because he was so close to death, his soul was in so much anguish he was almost dying. He said, Father, if this cup could pass from me, please let it pass. But if not, if this is the only way, Father, then let your will be done. I used to think, guys, that the cup was the cup of our sin and sickness. And he did take that on the cross. But friends, Jesus took so much more than your sin and your sickness and my sin and my sickness on the cross. That was the easy part. If it could even be easy. Jesus looked into a cup that we know from Scripture was filled with the wrath of God. Our eternal treason on a righteousness so much higher than we could ever imagine brought a wrath so deep and so intense that only God Himself can meet it. And Jesus loved you so much He was willing to look into the cup of torment and the wrath of His Father on sin and drink it all the way down. That's why he sweat drops of blood. He loved you enough to take the wrath of God for you. And there's still wrath on sin, but not if you're in Christ. The scripture says that if you believe in Christ and you come to him and you give him the death that's working on the inside of you and you accept his life, that the wrath of God is removed from you. Guys, that's good news. That's good news. It's good news that we have an inheritance in this earth, that we can have abundant life. But oh, it's good news that we get to live forever with Him and not be under the wrath of God. No matter what the world says today, the wrath of God is still real. But He doesn't leave us in the wrath of God. He gives us a way out. And He says, look, if you'll come to me, if you'll not be offended, but you'll come to me and you'll lay down the death that's on the inside of you, if you'll lay down your agenda, if you'll lay down your pride, if you'll lay down your ambition and your envy, if you'll lay down what you think ought to happen with your life because of your talent, your influence, if you'll lay down the pain and the bitterness of your heart because of who did what or who didn't do what you needed, the love of Jesus will fill you. Paul said he didn't ever preach Christ and Him crucified without there being a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit because he would not stand for men's faith and women's faith to be built on the words of people or of a preacher. Your faith, beloved, has to be built on the demonstration of God in your life, His power for you. Because if somebody can talk you into salvation, someone else can talk you out. But if Jesus Christ does a supernatural transformational work in your life and He touches your body and you firsthand see His power and experience it, no one can take that away from you through clever reasoning or vain philosophy of man.
Here's what I want to do. Miranda, if you could just softly sing, Healing is Here. Or Matt, whichever one of you. Just gently. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here to heal. He's here to demonstrate to you His love. More than anything, to demonstrate His love. He just wants you to know. Not in your head. He wants you to know it in your guts. That He really is here. He sees. He cares. He knows. And it doesn't matter if you've been here for years. It doesn't matter if you've gone to church for years and you've had something prayed for for 30 years. God can still do it. My mom prayed for a woman in a healing line. My mom had suffered from sciatica for 30 years. It was very difficult for her to walk up and down steps. She was a, a superintendent of a high school. We went on lots of trips and she suffered for 30 years. And one day she prayed for someone, wasn't even praying for herself. And God just touched her sciatica and took it away took away the pain so right now I speak to that place of hope deferred and I speak to the place of disappointment and offense towards God and I ask you right now just release it release any bitterness that you have in your heart towards God because something hasn't been healed or hasn't worked out if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody that you've loved but they've hurt you I just ask you right now consider it let the Holy Spirit touch it just release that person ask God to forgive you for bitterness and unforgiveness Right now, just release that to the Father. Let Jesus touch it. Just let go of it. It's not hurting them, it's hurting you. So Father, I just thank you right now for the cleansing blood of Jesus that washes over that old place of bitterness, that old place of rage and anger, the desire for vengeance. I thank you, Father, right now you take the surgical knife of the Spirit and cut it out by your goodness, by your grace, and say, son or daughter, you don't have to carry that anymore. I already took it on the cross. touch that's here right now some of you are already feeling something in your body because it doesn't take anybody touching you it's Jesus is here just let him do it some of you are being touched in your mind some of you have been given a diagnosis that's the doctor said it's terminal Jesus is touching it right now walk up and down the aisles Jesus it's just you it's just you in a love affair with us it's just you in a love affair with us you've had pain in your back, I want you to stand up. If it's in your lower back, sciatica, hip, just stand up. Okay. If you're in the back and you're already standing, just raise your hand or both hands just so somebody can see you. You can keep singing, Matt. 
If you're around them, I want you to go ahead and stand up. And when you go to pray for them, I don't want you to pray a begging prayer. I want you to declare healing over them. You prophesy life through the blood of Jesus over them. Speak life. Don't ask God. He's already given it. You declare what God's already done over their body. As you're being prayed for, I just want you to test it. When you feel a release, I just want you to test it. Expect God to do something right now. It may be the beginning of something. He may do the whole thing right now, but I want you to test it. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, guys, pray bold prayers. The work has already been done. It's faith that pulls heaven into earth. When we accept from a good father, we, we bring everything that he died to give us from the supernatural into the natural. Is there somebody here that has a right arm that either has been sprained or broken or you have pain in your rotator cuff and like a right arm? Okay, right arm, Tim. Okay. In Jesus' name. Rachel, go ahead and put your hand on Tim's right shoulder. Is it your shoulder? Okay. Thank you, Father, for your life right now on Tim's right shoulder. We just send the healing virtue of Jesus into that right shoulder. I thank you, Father, for touching it. It was already done on the cross. It has to submit in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for repairing ligaments and tendons right now. Muscles, relax. No more pain. Tim, test that. If you have pain in your feet, whether it's sores, corns, if there's pain in your feet, I just want you to, to come on up here. Do what? Okay, okay. All right. If you've got pain in your feet, go ahead and come on up to the front. Any kind of pain in your feet, just go ahead and come on up. Okay. <laughs> just wait just a second. All right. Now, I need somebody who's been healed in their feet. Who here has experienced healing in their feet? Don't be nervous. Come on up. Anybody else who's experienced, God's touched your feet in the past and you've had healing in your feet. All right, I want you to go down the line. I want you to pray. That same thing that the scripture says, freely you've been given. Freely you receive, freely give. So I just want you to go down the line here and just release that. You guys just lift your faith. Just expect God to do something in your feet. Expect him to do something right now. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the ministry of your body. doesn't matter if somebody's 8 or 80. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's the healing virtue of Jesus that we can release in your name. Thank you, Father, right now. You guys, if there's been pain in your feet, just test it. 
I believe God's going to do something. He's going to touch something tonight. All right, for those of you that have already been prayed for, if you've noticed the difference in your body, I want you to raise a hand. Okay? Several of you notice the difference in your body. Okay. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. If you're suffering from bipolar, if you're suffering from a mental diagnosis of a mental disease, it could be schizophrenia, it could be Alzheimer's, doesn't matter what it is, it has to do with, with your mind and your soul. I just want you to put your hand over your belly right now. Father, I thank you that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Jesus, I just see Jesus touching you with both hands on your head. Just receive it. You do not have to live with schizophrenia. You do not have to live with Alzheimer's. The memory of the righteous is blessed. If you have detachment disorder, if you have a child with reactive attachment disorder right now, I just want you to put your hand on your belly and receive healing from attachment disorder. God, I thank you for attaching the emotions back, the sense of right and wrong. God, that compassion back, what has been stolen from by the enemy, what has been stolen by people who had no idea what they were doing. God, I thank you for a supernatural touch in the soul right now. God, I thank you for deliverance right now from that spirit of violence. Somebody here, you had a violent tragedy happen in your family, a murder. I just thank you, God, right now for healing and deliverance from a spirit of violence right now. Fear come out now in Jesus' name. Prince of peace, lay your hands on that home lay your hands on that car prince of peace lay your hands on this family in jesus name prince of peace pour your peace into this family right now in jesus name know why I want him in my life I feel that we're supposed to transition these services a particular way I don't feel like it's supposed to feel like an end I feel like there's a to be continued I feel like there's more ministry that's supposed to happen 
And if that's you, you, you need to stay for the next service. We're just going to keep this atmosphere. If you need to go home, I want you to feel released to be able to go home in peace. But if you want to stay and soak in this because the Lord's doing a deep work, then just stay right where you are and just soak. Because I'm going to tell you something. I want to live in that place of freedom. He made a statement that I made in the car driving from Atlanta to here. Literally, we came in hot. We drove from Atlanta, and I walked right on here into the, into the building. And the statement I made to Sheree was, Sheree, there are people who call themselves Christians. The difference between a Christian and a follower of Christ is the follower of Christ has made him Lord of their life. And I said that, Ben. I said, we have to see a movement where we make him Lord. Because it's in that place I give up my right to be right. Give up a right to be right. Let me just pray and we'll dismiss. And please keep the, the prayer room just, just with a peace over it. And if you need to leave and transition, then you guys can have conversation out in the lobby and outside. Lord, I thank you for what you've started in this service. Lord, we just want to honor what you're doing. And Lord, those who you want to continue to do work in them. Lord, I pray that you bring the scalpel of heaven and you cut out of us whatever you want gone. We want you to be Lord of our hearts. We want you to be Lord of our life. Jesus, come and just have your way. Bless each person that has come into here tonight, each person watching. As they have to leave and take care of what they need to do, Lord, we ask that your peace would be upon them as they leave. Lord, if they have to leave, may you continue the work that you started right now. Continue it in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you guys. You are dismissed.